Hi, ladies. Welcome to the Olives and Arrows podcast, where we discuss women's health, marriage, fertility, pregnancy, birth, motherhood, and much more from a biblical worldview. While we might not agree on every theological issue, we are unified in the truth of the gospel and recognize that this cannot be separated from our experiences. It's a gift to be able to share these things with you today. I pray that you will be encouraged and that God will be glorified. Keep in mind that the things we discuss are personal experiences. You may relate to the information, but every woman's body is different. You should always discuss your health and wellness practices with a trusted healthcare provider. Please note that on this podcast, we do discuss details regarding our bodies that you might want to discuss with your kids before they hear them on our show. With that in mind, let's get started. Was an Arrows podcast. Today we have Kate Joyner. Um, Kate, Kate, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're from? Yes. So, um, goodness, as far as like <laughs> where I'm from, I'm going to start with the who I am first. So, um, I am Kate Joyner. I'm um, a mom. I'm a wife, of course. I'm a daughter of God. And um, yeah, so, and as far as where I'm from, it's so funny because I kind of grew up all over because I um, was raised with a father who was in ministry. We moved quite a bit, and I pretty much was raised in Georgia. So um, that's where I live now. I actually live in the Atlanta area now. So that's a little bit about me and where I'm from. Very nice. Awesome. Um, and tell us about your family. How did you meet your husband? Yeah, so um, we met um, officially because we had kind of known each other through my aunt and uncle, although like years, years ago, we're pretty sure we met, but like when we actually met and like really knew each other and got to know each other was um, I was 18 and he was 19 and he was actually um, interning at my um, uncle's church that he was a pastor of at the time and um, I was visiting them and he was at their house and um, that's how we met. He was very quiet at first, but it's so funny because my aunt told me like a day or so later, she's like, oh my goodness, Dylan liked you so much. He wants to take you on a date. And I was like, what? Like he was so shy. So um, that's just kind of who he is. Like he's one of those people, like you really have to get to know him and he'll warm up to you. And um, yeah, so he took me on a date. He actually was living um, between uh, Greenville because he was going to North Greenville University and he was also living in Elberton. He was like living in both places. Elberton's like a little town in Georgia. And he drove all, drove all the way to my parents' house across Atlanta to take me on a date. So, oh, cute. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really so sweet. from when y'all first started dating to when you were married, about how long was that process? Yeah, so we were married, um, it was roughly a year after we went on our first date. (laughs) So everybody thought we were crazy because I was 19 and he was 20. And, um, but, you know, we, I think it was like maybe after three or four dates, we just knew that we wanted to get married and that we wanted to be together. You know, we were long distance, so that I think was part of it too. And yeah, so yeah, <laughs> it wasn't uh, that long at all. Yeah. 
I love that. My husband are, and I are really similar. We met and then we're married within 11 months. I love it. <laughs> so, I think it's yeah. awesome. Why yeah. wait? You know? <laughs> I do too. I do too. When you know, you know, especially when it's two believers and you have, you know, similar desires and plans and it just works out sometimes like that. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, I love that. So um, let's go ahead and jump into the kid part of this, which is always so fun. Um, So tell us about your journey to pregnancy um, with your first and just kind of what that looked like, that planning process. Yeah. So when I was first married, I um, regretfully went on hormonal birth control. Um, I actually specifically asked my OBGYN um, if it could be an abortifacient, and she laughed and said no. So I was, you know, 19, and I believed her. Um, and anyways, I actually praise God that I had a horrible reaction to it. Um, I was, my thyroid was functioning at an all-time low when I was on it, and I really do see that as like a grace from God, because um, it made me realized that first of all, what it was doing to my body was not good for me. And then it also made me explore whether or not it actually was, you know, if it actually could take the life of a child. So I got off of it and, um, I was actually, so I think after I got off of it, we pretty much, um, were maybe I wasn't on it for a year or so before we decided that, um, we wanted to start our family And, um, I was actually really blessed because I was really concerned since it had been so, um, bad for my body. And since I had such a bad reaction to it, I was really concerned that I would end up having a hard time getting pregnant, that it had like completely messed me up. But, um, we actually didn't struggle with that, thankfully. Um, and so, yeah, I had my son, I got pregnant with my son, James, um, and I was able to carry him to full term and it was, um, a major blessing because I was really nervous about that. Good. Yeah. Praise God. So mm-hmm. um, when y'all were trying, did you use any specific like methods of charting or anything like that? Or did you just kind of wing it? Yeah. So I th- I'm pretty sure, actually, I know for sure before I, we tried to get um, pregnant, I had been tracking my cycle, which I would just recommend to any woman to do. Um, and I think that's what an, another thing that's negative about hormonal birth control is a lot of women just have no understanding of how their cycle works. Um, and so it's just good to not be on it so that you can be tracking it and you can know. And so for me, I kind of knew like when my fertile window was and, um, with James, like we really didn't try it was just kind of like we had a conversation where we were like well I was about to I was going to graduate from uh cosmetology school in like nine months and I was like I guess we can start trying now because you know this will you know probably take a little bit for us to conceive but he actually James was a first time try baby <laughs> much to our surprise That's so awesome yeah so I was well, yeah and- Yeah. And you're so right about so many women just have no literacy surrounding like their cycles and their fertile window and all of that. Um, 
did you use like a fertility awareness method or just like an app or NFP or what was that like? Yeah. So the only thing I used was I, I used an app called Ovia and it's just like a little simple app that tracks your cycle. And what's really cool is whenever you conceive and become pregnant, they have like a companion app that tracks your pregnancy. So it's really neat. Yeah, that's a good one. I actually, I'm pregnant now and using that yes. pregnancy app. So yes, <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's a good one. Um, yeah, good stuff. So pretty easy um, journey to pregnancy then. Praise God for that. Yes. Um, what about your actual pregnancy with James? Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, I would say my pregnancy with James, I feel like the first trimester and then the second part of the second trimester was probably the hardest um, because in the first trimester I had the typical morning sickness and um, it was actually really related to just not eating enough, like often enough, really, as when I would get sick, I had to like constantly have a snack. And um, so that was really hard, but it wasn't too bad. I didn't really have a ton to complain about what was, I think, even harder was, I think it was like my the second half of my second trimester. I really think it was just because of how he was positioned. Um, I had really bad like uh, back pain and I believe the nerve is like called the sciatica nerve I think I'm saying yeah that correctly. yeah 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 so that I had that pain um but honestly like once he kind of like adjusted he was transverse for a long time which means like he was sideways but like once he was head down and in position that actually went away so and then the rest was really easy from there and tell us about the care that you received. Were you with an OB or a midwife? And um, what was that like? Yeah, so I went to a doctor's office that um, is run by a few OBGYNs, and they have a team of certified nurse midwives under them. And um, the way they do it is, unless otherwise specified, your first appointment is with a CNM. And, um, and so... I met them, got to know them. I liked them. They were really sweet. I had always pictured that I would have an OBGYN, but um, I was researching it and I really, really liked the benefits of having a nurse midwife and being under the care of midwives as opposed to OBGYNs. And I'm not trying to knock on OBGYNs. It's just for what I wanted in my pregnancy it made the most sense for us. For sure. And what did you feel like was different about the midwifery model of care as opposed to the OB model? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I've never been under an OBGYN, so I can really only talk about as far as what people have told me and then also what I've read. And it, it seems like the biggest difference is that um, typically with the midwife model, you have a lot more um, hands-on care. Um, I think that midwives tend to have lower like caseloads, so they tend to have more time with their patients. Um, and then also as far as delivery goes, at least my experience was that um, the midwife was at the hospital the entire time I was in labor and um, she was she was coming in and out of the room and then the entire time that I was actually in active labor and like pushing, 
she was there the entire time. Um, whereas I think with OBGYNs, they tend to kind of come in at the end. I think usually the nurses handle it up to that point. And, um, and then the other thing that I really, really liked about that model is um, I had read that you tend to still have just as much success having a healthy birth and delivery, um, but the C-section rate is a lot lower, which was also super important to me. Um, because Definitely. I wanted, yeah, yeah, I, I didn't, I wanted to avoid that if I could. Mm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know in our area that the local um, birth center has like a 4% C-section rate. So transfer to hospital, get a C-section at 4%. But our yeah. local hospital has a 40% C-section yes. rate. Yeah. Yes. So it's yeah. a big difference for sure. Um, and do you feel like you really connected with one midwife or did you see kind of the team of midwives and the day that you gave birth, it was just kind of whoever was on call? Yeah. So basically the way they did it was um, when you're pregnant, they encourage you to see all of the midwives. Um, so whoever you saw last time, um, they would encourage you to see somebody n- different the next time. And um, because the way it works for them is they have midwives on call. And so you don't really know which one you're going to get. So it's really important to get to know all of them. Um, I really liked my first one, but I will say um, with my daughter, uh, the midwife I had with her, um, she was my favorite. She um, was is like the head midwife and she, you could just tell she really had, they were all great, but she really had that like experience. I don't even know how many, um, how many babies she delivered, but it was a lot. <laughs> so yeah, she's very seasoned. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. Um, so tell us about, you know, the end of pregnancy and birth with James. Yeah. So with James, um, I was very grateful that all the way to the end of my pregnancy, I still had a lot of energy. And for me, that's when like that nesting really kicks in and I'm like cleaning everything and throwing things away and almost like, just like, we have to get everything ready for the baby. Cleansing (laughs) everything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It literally drives Dylan so crazy because he's like, you need to just calm down. You're like so pregnant and it's just not, he doesn't like (laughs) seeing this woman waddling around cleaning everything. (laughs) But I mean, I felt great enough to do it. (laughs) And um, so the way it works with uh, the midwives that I saw um, is they really encourage women to go the full 40. And then after that to be closely monitored and to really try to allow the baby to come on their own. So I was very prepped in my mind to go to 42 weeks. And I would really encourage any woman to kind of mentally prepare for that. um, Because sometimes the babies just need a little longer to cook. And that's okay. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. But um, I was actually very surprised, James. I um, naturally went into labor with him when I was, I want to say it was 39 weeks and four days. And he was born at 39 weeks, five days. Oh, so, awesome. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So tell us about going into labor and just kind of take us into those moments. Yeah. So um, 
that day I had been um, hanging out with my husband. I think we had even like gone out to eat with my mother-in-law and um, I, I, we got home that night. I think we were like doing laundry and folding laundry and um, I just started having uh, contractions and I was actually really confused at first because they were so close together and I was like, oh no, like why is this happening so fast? And I was timing them. Yeah. And they were very consistent. And so, um, I called my midwife just to kind of let her know. And she was like, okay, we'll try to stay home as long as you can. You know, it's always when you have a hospital delivery, the longer you can labor at home, the better, um, obviously within reason. (laughs) So, um, I was just kind of tracking things and, Another thing that it kind of adds to this is um, we lived in a rural community. So the hospital that I was actually going to deliver at was about 50 minutes from our house. So um, it was kind of a drive. <laughs> so we had to kind of keep all that in mind. Yeah, keep all that in mind. So, um, yeah, so this may be TMI, but I ended up losing my mucus plug, and that's how we knew, like, okay, the baby is coming. <laughs> yeah, and... absolutely, and also nothing is TMI on this podcast. Okay, good. So... People just need to know we're going to talk about all the yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I called my midwife, and I let her know, and she's like, okay. She's like, well, you really do need to go ahead and come in um, since I did live so far away. And, um, this is just my personality. I'm very kind of like last minute to everything. It drives, like it drives my husband crazy, but I did not have my hospital bag packed. <laughs> I had my son living on the edge. Yeah. I had James's pack, but I didn't have mine. And part of it was cause I was like, how do I pack things that I use every day? Like that was just something that I couldn't really wrap my head around. So totally. a lot of the stuff I just use. So real quick or packing everything where like I was like we need to put this stuff away we need to clean the house and Dylan's like no Kate we have to go <laughs> I was like still so at this point how far apart are your contractions so my contractions were really weird they were mm-hmm. like um I think they were five minutes apart <laughs> but they were not super strong that's why I wasn't okay. super worried about it yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no wonder edge. he was concerned. <laughs> was very concerned. And I kept telling him, I was like, they're not strong enough to be like, like, I'm not giving, I'm not going to give birth now. I think I just kind of knew, you know? And cause when we actually, we got in the car and we rode to the hospital, it was like at night, it was so foggy. It was like such a stressful ride because I was in pain. We couldn't see anything. <laughs> like, it was so stressful. Um, yeah. Contracting yeah. on like bumpy roads, most likely. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. So we got in the car, we got to the hospital, and I think at that point, my contractions, when they actually started measuring them, they were two minutes apart, but they were not super strong. And that is kind of like, that's just how I am, because that's how it was with my daughter, too. I don't know why. It's not fun, <laughs> but my contractions are always like really close together. Yeah. So. And at that point, like, did they check you for dilation? Yes. Yes. I want to say with James that at that point I was maybe like five centimeters dilated. So, you know, they knew that I was not like 
going to have the baby in a minute or anything like that, even though my contractions were close together. And even the nurses were like, that's really interesting that your contractions are so close together. They're like right, watching them right. on the screen. And I'm like, I know it is really interesting. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in pain. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So how did you progress from there as far as like, how long did it take for you to dilate fully and you know, what was that like with those rough contractions? Yeah. So I, um, so he ended up, um, cause we, we were checked into the hospital that night. I think it was probably around eight, maybe by the time we got there and I ended up having him the next day after 3 PM. So what happened in between then <laughs> with my crazy contractions, um, was I, you know, obviously was in a lot of pain because they were so close together. And um, I actually ended up asking my midwife because I had gone into it saying, you know what, I'll try. I was never like super attached to having to give birth unmedicated, but I like wanted to kind of see how it went, wanted to go that direction if that was possible. And um, so at that point I was like, you know, Um, is there anything like I can have that would just kind of take the edge off? And that was a mistake. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah. I was so sick, whatever. I don't know what it was. Mm, Yeah. Kind of pain medicine they gave me, it made me so nauseous. So then, and it also didn't really help with pain. So I was in pain. I was nauseous. My contractions were two minutes apart. And so at that point, I did end up saying to my midwife, well, actually she said to me, she was like, you know, she came in and she saw how it was. And she was like, you know, she said, have you considered possibly doing an epidural? And I was like, terrified. I was like, I don't know, you know, like, that's really scary. What if I can't feel anything? And she told me, she was like, they're really good here at this hospital you're at. They're awesome. She's like, I think at this point for you, I think you would calm down a lot. I think you would feel so much better. And so I, um, so I was like, okay, so I did it. And I don't know, like I've heard like the worst horror stories about epidurals, but that team there at that hospital, like they give the best. They're amazing because they don't put you completely out of pain. The guy, he actually told me that specifically. He's like, I just want you to know you're still going to be in pain because that's very important for delivery, you know, to feel. And, um, it was such a, like, it truly was, it was a blessing. I was so grateful that it was not like this horrible (laughs) experience and I could still feel a little bit. I knew what what my body was doing and yeah. So that ended up being, um, that ended up being a really good thing that I was actually really scared of, especially as far as the pain goes of actually getting it inserted. I was terrified of that, but it wasn't that bad. Not compared to contractions. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Sometimes they call like a lower dose of epidural a walking epidural. So you can still kind of labor how you need to. Um, Which you're right is such a blessing. It's, it's, you know, a gift of common grace that um, there's an option that's somewhere in the middle. So you don't feel like the bottom half of you doesn't exist anymore while you're trying to push out a baby. (laughs) I couldn't imagine truly. Mm -mm. Yeah. What that would even be like. Yeah. Um, So I was grateful. And and that was even under, you know, midwives, they tend to be a little bit crunchy, a little granola, but she even (laughs) told me, she was like the epidurals here. She was like, they're really good. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. and she's like, it's not your mama's epidural. This is like, apparently they've really kind of changed how they do them as they're learning. So that's good. 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 Yeah. So tell us from then on, like after you got the epidural, how were you feeling? And, um, you know, where'd you go from there? Yeah. So after the epidural, I was very kind of like more relaxed. I, I think at that point the pain medication had worn off, which was awesome. Um, because that may had, like I said, had made me so sick. So I, like I said, I don't recommend that. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, um, felt so much better at that point. And, um, I actually, I, and this just goes to show how my epidural was because I could actually still feel when my water, um, finally broke. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so I was like, Oh, <laughs> my water broke. And that's how we kind of knew, um, it was time. And, um, we told the midwife and, uh, she came in and she was like, yeah, you're getting there. So I, I think like my personality is, I'm like one of these people who I don't realize that things that are crazy are happening to me when they're happening to me. And so I looked, I think I looked at my mom, my mom was in the room with me or maybe my husband. And I was like, wait, am I about to give birth? <laughs> is this happening? <laughs> I, know. I was like, is this really happening? And they were like, yes. So, um, yeah, so she came in, they like prepped the whole room. Everything changes in the room. Um, whenever you're about to give birth, like the half of your bed goes away. <laughs> I was not expecting that, but, um, and a whole team of like all these nurses came in, like there's so many people there. <laughs> um, And so, yeah, I started pushing and just full transparency. I think I should have taken a birthing class because I'll be honest, I had no idea what I was doing when I was pushing. Like, I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. Um, I could feel my contractions and I could feel when I was supposed to push, but it's like I didn't know how to push. Yeah. And, um, and so I pushed for, this is another reason why I'm grateful I had a midwife because I literally was pushing on and off for two hours total. So normally under like the care of an OBGYN, um, even if your baby's not in distress, a lot of them at that point would be like, you know what, let's just get this baby out of here. Yeah. Um, and thankfully James, my son, he was so chill. The whole time he wasn't in distress. Yeah. Um, he was like, I'm out. fine, mom. Yeah. So, yeah. And it was really, it's so funny because at the end, uh, when I was pushing, um, I think, I don't remember who said it to me, but somebody was like, you know, you're supposed to push like you're having a bowel movement. <laughs> I was like, oh. Yeah. So that's the advice. <laughs> and literally that changed everything. And he was born like a few wow. months later, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's amazing because, you know, I think it's very common to almost try to do like that belly push mm-hmm. um, rather than like focusing really on that pelvic floor because yes. in movies and, you know, seeing videos of birth and stuff, you just don't really know what muscles they're working. Um <laughs> And it's kind of a whole new world. <laughs> it is. It is. And that really like changed everything for me because then he was born and his head, bless his heart, was like a little cone head. <laughs> I was pushing for so long, but he was, he was such a sweet little baby. Yeah. I was just overwhelmed with joy. Like I cannot 
explain how you feel when you meet your baby for the first time. I'm so excited for you to experience Oh, yeah. We're really excited. Um, So how did he do after birth? Any issues or did you have any issues, any tearing or anything like that? Oh, yeah. So I did tear. um, But... And, and that's the other thing with, I don't know if, I think pretty much every midwife is like this. Um, midwives don't really do episiotomies because they feel like it is better for your body to naturally tear in a natural way. And the reason that I've read why, why, why a lot of OBGYNs will actually do an episiotomy is because it's easier for them as far as stitching things up goes, but it's not necessarily better for the mother. So I think that's the thing. It's like it's a little more complicated for them to stitch, but it's like better for you to tear naturally. So I did tear and it wasn't that bad. It was like, I don't even remember what degree, but it wasn't, it wasn't bad at all. And she stitched me up and, um, and, but that's terrifying. Like that was like a horrifying thought to me, like having stitches down me. (laughs) Like I was like, the thought of that was horrible. (laughs) Just thinking about it. I couldn't think about it. Yeah. (laughs) So did um, that end up being easier than you thought it would be, though? Yeah. Yeah. And I will say, too, like a perk to having an epidural, because they tend to not do this if you don't have an epidural, because it would be very, very painful, is when you have an epidural as you're laboring, um, the midwife can actually be stretching you while you're laboring, um, which can be really helpful for delivery. Cause she's like getting everything ready down there. Whereas I think that, um, from what I know, unless the woman has like a crazy, amazing pain tolerance, um, if you don't have an epidural, they can't really do that. Cause that would just be excruciatingly painful. So, um, so I think that also helped me not like tear as much as well. But, um, and then as far as James goes, um, when he was born, like he was great, um, we were figuring out how to nurse. That was a lot of fun. That was really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I actually, he had a lip tie and a tongue tie. And um, I actually had to use like a nipple shield when I nursed him in order to help him get like that really good um, uh, latch. Yeah, that's the word, latch. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, and then also for me, like when my milk I was just so engorged. It was really hard for him to latch because of that as well. And so he was a very slow eater and he still is a really slow eater. So it's funny how their personalities already come out as soon as they're born. <laughs> so it would take him like forever to eat, but he was eating and he was gaining. And um, I was really grateful. We ha- I had a really awesome team of lactation consultants there that were helping. So that was really awesome. Good. Yeah. Good. And whenever you went home, how did things go from there? Yeah. So when we were leaving, they told me that he had elevated bilirubin. So they were like, you're just going to want to make the appointment with his pediatrician ASAP. And so I was like, okay, I had elevated bilirubin. I think maybe Dylan did. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure he did as well. So that's, you know, just when the baby is jaundiced. And um, it was actually kind of hard to tell with him because he has, um, James kind of has like a natural dark, like yellowish complexion. So he actually 
to me looked fine. And even looking back in pictures, like he really did look fine. But um, I went to the doctor and it was, it was definitely way above what they wanted it to be, which as a first time mom, like that's just nerve wracking. Um, Totally. Yeah. 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 I had to take him to our little local hospital. They had to do like the heel prick where they like take the blood out of their heel. And it was like, absolutely horrible but I had even because I knew one of the ways they actually get rid of the um they actually lower their bilirubin level is by eating it's like the more they eat the better it can be lowered and then you know they'll do the billy light and I actually asked his doctor I was like do you think that you know maybe like the nursing is an issue like should I try to get him to eat more with formula do we need to do the billy light and he told me he was like Kate there's literally nothing better for a baby with jaundice than breast milk. It is literally the best prescription, if you will. For yeah, it. it's almost like God knew what he was doing. <laughs> yes, it, it is. It, it was, and I was so grateful that I was able to breastfeed him since he did have jaundice and it ended up lowering and he was my doctor or his doctor was very much like, you just need to trust the process. You need to trust the process. And we got past that, but that was very traumatic at the time, like truly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so common too. So I think, you know, talking about it is really beneficial because it happens to so many babies and then they end up being totally fine. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what about after he got past the jaundice? Is there anything that you want to chat through, through like his early infancy beyond that? Yeah, so um, in his early infancy, he was um, a pretty good little, like, sleeper. Um, Once I kind of got to where he was eating enough before he went to bed, he really started sleeping in longer stretches, which is huge for when you're a new mom. You're already tired, and just him having that time and, and of just sleeping and sleeping well, So I think like when we brought him home, he was sleeping maybe like two hours at a time. And then he got to maybe three or four, which is a really big deal because he was probably only a few weeks at the time. And um, something that I learned, and this is kind of like, this really, I think, applies to um, any mother, uh, regardless of how you feed your baby, but especially if you breastfeed, um, at night, they'll get really, really fussy, and they'll basically just want to nurse all the time, um, and it's called uh, cluster feeding, and I kind of fought it at first, because I was like, I don't want to nurse this baby, like, I can't go anywhere, I can't do anything, I was very much kind of feeling like I need to be able to get up and move around, and and once I kind of resigned to just allowing him to just eat as much as he wanted at night, and just kind of allowing myself to sit there with my baby and hold him and watch a TV show and just like, it's fine. Like you can just chill for a minute. <laughs> um, it's like, I, I kind of took that pressure off myself to constantly be having to do something else and just think, totally like, sit here. Um, he started sleeping so good. It was like, he knew like, I need to stock up for the night. <laughs> good. Yeah. Good. That's awesome. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about your second then. Um, let's talk about, you know, your journey to pregnancy with your second as well as pregnancy. Yes. So um, Verity had, was a kind of a very 
uh, interesting conception because um, it was one of those times where it's like we knew that there was a chance that we could be pregnant, but just based on my cycle, I was like, "Mm, I don't know. I just feel like, I feel like the timing wouldn't quite be right. Um, But to my surprise, she existed. She was there. I took a pregnancy (laughs) test and it said positive. They do that. (laughs) Yes, I know. And I even told my husband, I said, well, I don't know if you've ever read like about how this works, but I told him, I was like, I'm pretty sure that this is going to be a girl because I just don't think, cause you know, the girls live longer than the boys. <laughs> um, and I, and I told him, I think this is going to be a girl because I just don't see how a boy just based on my cycle, um, you know, would have, essentially survive that long because you know you have like the girl sperm and you have the boy sperm (laughs) and the boys apparently are are fast and they die fast and the girls are slow and they live longer isn't that interesting incredible that's (laughs) so crazy yeah so some people have planned the genders of their babies basically wow that's crazy she was a girl (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and um, my pregnancy with her, I was at the same place, used a midwife, um, the midwives again, and, you know, it was very good, very uneventful. The only thing is, like, I had, with her, I had, um, I just didn't want to, like, eat. Food just sounded horrible to me, like cooking dinner. I just had major food aversions. Um, So I think, like, I really didn't gain weight I may have even lost a little um in my first trimester but it was fine like I'm I'm at a weight where I can it's fine if I lose a little at the beginning of pregnancy and um and so everything was going great besides that and then when I went in for my anatomy scan um they were you know going over it the ultrasound tech seemed really chill and really fine But then, um, and me and my husband left thinking it was all great. And I went to my actual appointment and Dylan wasn't there. He, I think was with our son and they went off and like played in the park or something. And my midwife came in and she was like, so we're really concerned. And my heart just sank. I was like, oh no. So, um, they already, there was something going on with her ultrasound where I think they said it looked like there was a hole in her bowels or it was, it was like open where it should be shut. And that can be like a marker for all different types of, um, issues. Um, but the main thing, the main one that they were really concerned about was whether or not she had cystic fibrosis. And of course, as a mom, like that's just heartbreaking. Like just the thought of that. Yeah. And, um, they actually did, genetic testing on me I didn't do anything like high risk to the baby I think sometimes like they would do like tissue samples but I just I strongly advise against that I just don't think that the I think it's just too risky um at least it was you know for me in my opinion and so the genetic testing we did was just my blood it was a blood sample from me and of course that would not change like whether or not I would continue the pregnancy. That would be out of the question. All it would do for me was just inform me of basically what to expect, whether or not my child would need extra medical care when they were born. And so, um, praise God, 
my, um, I have zero, um, I, like, I don't carry the gene for cystic fibrosis. Apparently you have to be a, a carrier. So, cause that was really the scariest one that we were concerned about. Um, and then also I didn't mention this, but another thing they were concerned about on the ultrasound was my fluid was low, but, um, I really, uh, my next ultrasound was fine. So I really chalked that up to, I just, I'm horrible about taking the time to drink water. So I think that's why my fluid was low because I really kind of focused on drinking water really well after that. And then it was back up. So I did still have to go to a high risk doctor. Um, he looked over, he looked her over really good. They did this like super in-depth ultrasound. They like look at their little heart and all of the little chambers. Like it was amazing um, seeing all of that. And um, he specifically told me after he looked at me and he was like, why are you here? Oh, I know. Yeah. And I was like, well, Praise God. yeah, they were really worried about her. And he said, this baby is very unremarkable. Oh. <laughs> Those are his exact words, which in that moment as a parent, you're like, I'm so glad my child's unremarkable. Yes. <laughs> um, and so I don't really know what happened, honestly. I don't know because I know I've heard ultrasounds can sometimes show things that aren't actually there. I've, you know, I think that they're not perfect. So I don't know if it was that. Uh, something was going on with the ultrasound where it was just not coming back right. I will say I had um, an interior placenta, which is when your placenta is in the front. So all of the pictures and images of her were like not great because everything was through my placenta. So um, I don't know if that affected it or I don't know, maybe the Lord really did perform a miracle. Maybe there was something wrong and he healed her. I mean, we were definitely praying for that. So, yeah, absolutely. So where'd you go from there? I mean, that's, that's incredible. Praise God that, you know, she didn't have any issues. Um, did you, were you able to just go back to your original team of midwives and kind of business as usual or what'd you do? Yeah. So after that, uh, I was clear to go back to the midwives because of course, if they're, if you are a high risk pregnancy, um, midwives would transfer your care to an OBGYN, but since I was not and she was all good and I was all good, I could go back and resume um, my care with them. And the rest of my pregnancy was very uneventful. Um, I, ha- I think I had, again, the sciatica nerve problem and that ended up going away. And um, I will say at the end of my pregnancy, I I don't know if it was just because I was a second time mom, but probably about 36 weeks on, I would feel like I was going into labor like all the time. Um, my contractions, like I, I don't know if they're Braxton Hicks or what was going on, but it really did feel like because they would start to be consistent and then they would just stop. Yeah. Um, so I actually was my theory because my um, midwives had told me that the position she was in was not ideal. I think she was like face up and they're supposed to be face down ideally. Um, I think I'm remember. I may have that switched, but it's one or the other. And so I actually did like some stretches to try to move her to where she needed to be. And I was really like consistent with those towards the end. And then she flipped And I could feel, it was almost like I could feel like she was there, like she was in good position. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and did you do like spinning babies? Is that what you did? Yeah, very kind of like loose spinning babies. Like I've, ne- I think they offer things like that you can actually pay for. Mm-hmm. I- I've used their techniques, and I've never paid for anything. So whatever I've yeah, used, yeah, me is neither. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I use that, and yeah, that really helped with her. And I actually had used it with my son because, you know, I had said he was transverse and I did spinning babies to try to get him flipped all the way upside down. Mm-hmm. And it worked with him, too. Um, it was yeah. like the cat the cat stretch, I think, yeah. is kind of like the main go-to for getting them into a really good position. Like the forward-leaning, like, inversion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of helps, like, almost like zero gravity, like, helps them kind of really mm-hmm. get moved down. Yeah. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So, um, from there, I guess we can get into like the end of pregnancy and I know you already mentioned having kind of the Braxton Hicks experience, but, um, what about like leading up to labor and labor? Yeah. So leading up to labor, I had my crazy nesting energy again that drives Dylan crazy. (laughs) I was like vacuuming the house every night. (laughs) Um, Running around. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just stayed busy all the way to the end. And I think like one of my last, no, it was my last official appointment. I went in and they checked me and I was like, almost, I think I was almost like a hundred percent effaced and like very dilated, like maybe like four or five is where I was at. Wow. And yeah. they were like, they literally were like, how are you not in labor right now? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. <laughs> um, I was, I think at that point I was like maybe like 39 weeks, three days, something like that, or maybe four days. So um, when they actually did my, they were, they always do like the uh, Doppler monitor where they listen to their heartbeat and um, they were a little concerned about her heartbeat. Uh, nothing big. They were just like, you know, I think she's fine, just they, but they try to be very careful at the end. Um, and so they're like, just go up to the hospital. They're going to monitor you for, um, I think it was like an hour or something. And so I went up there, they checked me in. They just put the monitors on her and it just kind of records their heartbeat. And I just sat there and watched HGTV <laughs> while um, I did that. And um, my, one of the midwives had come up there for that. And she came in and she was like, yeah she's all good. You're good. And she was like, so she's like, I know that you're you're like pretty much about to go into labor. And she said, I just want to offer, like, she said, you know, we normally don't do this. She said, but since you're just really like right on the edge, if you want, we can go ahead and just induce you and you can just go into labor. She's like, it really, it wouldn't like change anything. You're going to go into labor in a day or so. And my every literally I think my whole family thought I was crazy because I said no (laughs) I was just like no um I didn't it's not that I didn't believe her I was just like I'd just rather wait and just see what totally so I went into labor the next day (laughs) so they were right like I really was right on the edge Mm. um and I actually was kind of in denial about being in labor because I felt like my contractions should hurt a lot worse and, um, my mom, I was talking to her about it. She was like, I just think that you've just built up a, t- a pain tolerance. She's like, cause they're so consistent and you're, there's no way you're not in labor. And she actually told me, I was like, I don't know, maybe I'm not. My mom was like, 
she they lived two and a half hours away at the time. She was like, you know what, we're coming. She was like, you're having this baby. And I was like, am I? And she was like, no, you are. I know you are. <laughs> and she was right. <laughs> yeah. So, Moms know best. <laughs> yes. And so as in normal Kate fashion, my um, bag was not packed. <laughs> my daughter's bag was packed, but mine wasn't. I love it. <laughs> I love to stress the people out around me. Not really. I just, I don't know why I am that way. I just am. And I was packing everything and getting it together. And my husband's like, Kate, we really have to hurry. This is your second baby. Your contractions are really close apart again. And so, yeah, we got to the hospital very late that night. Like maybe, I don't know. It could have been like 11. It was, I don't know why my babies like want to come in the middle of the night. Or, like, we have to get drive at night <laughs> with them. Yeah, they tend to do that. <laughs> That's what I've heard. It's, like, a thing. Yeah. It's so interesting. So we got there, and they were like, yep, you're about to get birth. So um, I did end up getting another epidural, and it was just as great of an experience as the first one. And I will say, like, my I don't know why, but my second labor and delivery was just so much more, like, chill and relaxed um I think I don't really know why I think it was just maybe it was because we knew what we were doing but I had my epidural I I literally like watched tv for a a minute or two and my husband took a nap and I think my mom took a nap and I was just chilling and I actually could feel myself transitioning that time which I don't know why I didn't notice that with James but this time I really felt it and I was like shaking. It was very, very weird experience. And um, yeah, Verity was born. So I want to say we got there at like 10 or 11 p.m. And she was born um, like close to 4 a.m., like 3.30 maybe a.m. So it was like barely there. And she was born. Wow, that's awesome. And mm-hmm. how did she do after birth? And how are you doing after birth? Yeah, so that birth was um, a lot less tiring because I knew what I was doing. Um, I literally pushed three times, and she was born. Um, so that is what oh my makes goodness, a huge that's amazing. Yeah, it, it makes a huge difference actually knowing how to push. Huge <laughs> difference. Pro uh, tip. <laughs> yes, learn how to push before you have a baby. <laughs> um, yeah, and she was born, and. Um, And so it really did help that I was like way less exhausted from labor and she like was a little nursing pro, like she was so, so easy with that. And she was just so sweet and so tiny. And it was just amazing to see the differences between gender because James was like, you know, he was born, he was like a handsome little man. And when she was born, like she looked like this little dainty little girl, like it was just really sweet. Yeah, so sweet. Mm-hmm. And we were barely there at the hospital before they sent us home. I mean, it was all very like the second was just so much more. I feel like relaxed and easy than the first. Good, good. Yeah. That's awesome. So, um, whenever you got home, how did y'all do with the transition from one to two kiddos? Yeah. So. I, you know, there's a lot, I feel like a a lot of guilt on my part because 
I just, my heart broke feeling like I couldn't be there for my son the way I had been. And even he didn't really totally understand it. He was two at the time. And, um, you know, I think he was confused as to why I wasn't as available, but I still try to like make time. Like every night I tried to be the one to put him to bed just so that I could get that time. And I'd literally just like hold him and cuddle him and tell him he was still my baby and that I loved him, that he was a good big brother. And um, that transition was hard. That was probably the roughest part, I feel like, about having uh, Verity as far as just transitions go. Um, and, of course, having a toddler and having a baby is super interesting, but it wasn't as tough as I thought it would be. Um, and I actually wanted to mention this, too. Whenever I um, had Verity and was breastfeeding her, that was when I finally... Uh, googled some things that I had noticed I had noticed I had this with James and I nursed him but I didn't know there was a name for it and I googled it with Verity because I knew every time I had a milk letdown I would feel like this wave of intense depression and so I was like you know what I'm going to figure out what this is and I looked it up and there's actually a name for it Um, a lot of people don't know it's called dysphoric milk ejection reflex and basically what happens is it's like a chemical imbalance. Whenever your milk lets down, instead of feeling like a euphoric high, you feel a low. And that's what I had. And so that was really interesting because I had it all with James, never took the time to figure out what it was. And then when I was nursing Verity, I was like, you know what, I'm going to get down to the bottom of this. Wow. So what did you do for that? Did you change anything or talk to your doctor? What did that look like? Well, so I think that I, I think I talked to my midwives and, you know, there's really not a ton they can do um, for you, especially if you're handling it okay. And I will say just after knowing that that's what was going on, I do feel like it helped me cope with it better because I knew, like I knew how to almost prepare myself for it. And I would always tell my husband, like, just know whenever I'm nursing Verity when she first latches, just don't say anything to me because I just, I I never really, I didn't really know how to explain it. But what I told him was, I was like, every time she latches, every time my milk lets down for about like a minute or two, I had this, the way I explained it was I have this feeling and it would be like if somebody told you the most horrific news that you could ever hear. It was like the sinking feeling. Um, that I would experience every single, like for, and it was like a minute or maybe two minutes. And then after that, it was fine. So I think anticipating it and knowing it Mm. really helped me manage it. Yeah. So, but. And you still breastfed for quite a long time with each of them. So um, I, I guess, how did you, how did you navigate that? Was it just a lot of prayer and just preparation or did, do you feel like you did anything different to cope? Yeah. So, um, I will, so I will say at first, like to me, for me, the, the hardest part of breastfeeding is like the first two weeks. Um, it's just, just to be honest, it's very, I think for most people, it can be very, very painful. Um, just because it's, um, you know, your, your breasts are having to get used to basically, um, being latched onto all the time. And it's almost like 
having really bad chapped lips in a way. And so just like a little side note, I tell every mom this, the best thing you can do for yourself in the early days of breastfeeding is to get a really good nipple cream because um, they just, they need that moisture. It prevents cracking. Um, It just is, it's so good for them. And, And look into one that's like a really good high quality because you want to find one that you're not having to wipe off because it's just better not to really mess with your breasts a lot when you're nursing, just to kind of let them be what they are. And if you put anything on them, put that on them. And so that way, like if your baby ingests any of it, it's not unsafe for them. They make some specifically that are fine for that. And, um, that's like a really big thing that helped. And then as far as just the rest of my breastfeeding journey, it's like, once we got the hang of it, you know, besides the DMER, which would happen for like a minute or so, every time they'd uh, latch and start nursing, um, you know, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed, um, the experience of nursing them. And even as they got older and more busy, cause, um, I, I feel like I breastfed James for maybe like 15 months and Verity maybe like 17. I mean, it was a long time for both of them together. And um, I don't know, I really enjoyed it. And the way I weaned them was I tried to be very kind of like natural about it, let them kind of almost be the ones to wean themselves. I would start offering them like water and things like that so that they could learn how to drink from a sippy cup. And it was like, they just kind of started needing me less and less, which is bittersweet. I will say I was always sad when our breastfeeding journey would end. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's incredible though, that you were able to go for so long and to find ways to deal with the challenges that you had. I think that's amazing. I, I give all glory to God for that. Truly. It was just truly a blessing for him. He was the one who, you know, sustained me through it. And he was the one that I, leaned on and depended on and I really grew a lot as a person from it yeah yeah well praise God that's amazing Mm -hmm. um so I guess let's talk a little bit about just kind of how you're doing and motherhood now and um you know where your kiddos are now James and Verity a few years later like what what's it been like and I guess where are the joys and the challenges in that yeah, so um, now um, my days look a lot different because I have two kids that are going and playing. Verity is just turned two on Tuesday, and um, James turned four in January. And um, I'm very grateful that I did have them so close together because they uh, play with each other. Uh, they entertain each other and they're just, they're best friends. It's so sweet. And so, um, you know, as far as the joys of motherhood, it's really just for me getting to know my kids better, uh, getting to share the gospel with them. Um, it's amazing because James knows so many answers to like catechism questions now, which is just, Oh, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. It's, and, and really trying to, we try to focus on uh, raising them to be believers. I think it can be very easy as parents to just kind of focus on growing them into maturity as just a person. Um, and it's easy to forget that really, you know, 
it doesn't, nothing matters if you're not raising your children in the Lord. You know, um, we, I always say like, God doesn't want us just to put warm bodies on earth. Like we need to raise people, um, for his kingdom and to do kingdom work. So amen. Yeah. Yeah. And it has its challenges because, uh, you know, we have to be really like disciplined to not only, um, be consistent with teaching them about the Lord and like we do family worship together, but also personally, like in how we live, being a good example and a good representation of Christ and Christianity to them. Cause they're literally watching us all the time. And which that is just nerve wracking for me. <laughs> it's like, you don't want to mess them up, even though I know mm. I've messed up a lot <laughs> as a mom. I'm grateful that God is ultimately the one who uh, is the keeper of their hearts and mm. not me. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So with James, like, where is he, have you been schooling him at all? Or is he, um, he working on any kind of curriculum or is he like going to any kind of a program? What does that look like? Yeah. So when he was really little, he went like when he was like two, he went to like a little, uh, preschool program that our church had a couple days a week. And that was, really nice for me because I had Verity and she was just a little baby at the time. So it was nice to have like, it was like two mornings a week where it was just me and my girl. And James is so extroverted. He loved, loved going. Um, but now what we're doing is we do school with him at home. It's very laid back. And Um, I, but I don't say that to mean like we don't challenge him because I think sometimes a mistake can be when you're doing preschool curriculum, it is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be enjoyable. It's supposed to be laid back, but I do think that they're, they're really smart and they can learn a lot of things that, um, maybe we wouldn't otherwise know. And so we have, um, just slowly over time, uh, really challenged James on some things. So like, Um, at this point, like he knows, um, he knows all of his ABCs. He knows what sound each letter makes. Um, and that's just been like, I think the thing with like little kids is everything just takes a long time. And so that's just been something we've slowly worked on. And, um, as far as curriculum goes, I, um, for a long time used a curriculum called, I think it's called the good and the beautiful. And it's like a super, minimalistic style curriculum and um it's not necessarily christian although it does come from a a worldview that believes in god so but i think it's so vague that honestly like anybody who believes in god could use it and not be offended by it it, or Mm. isn't a god really gotcha Um, yeah so but i did enjoy it and we supplemented with like our own stuff as far as like bible study goes and things like that you know in his catechism questions that's awesome that's awesome and how about verity how is she as far as you know just turning to and kind of her stage of development is she doing well yeah she's doing good so i don't know if this is like a girl thing a personality thing or a second child thing but she is so like ahead of schedule um like verbally 
Um, she um, has been talking in sentences probably since she was about, I don't know, 14 months. Or maybe get it girl six, 16 <laughs> like she maybe like 16 months she like like and when I say sentences it's like small like a couple sure. words but that is like way way ahead but I think it has to do with her having a big brother that talks to her because you know James ad- adults will kind of like dumb things down for kids like they'll talk to them as babies like James always talked to her as a peer like even as like a newborn, <laughs> you would like ask her questions. And... So cute. Yeah, so I think maybe that helped a lot. Um, and so now she's just like going, going, going. She can kind of sing her ABCs. She misses a few letters, but she's. I think she's really smart. Um, and but I do think a lot of that has to do with just um, having a big brother that she has to keep up with, you know, she has to do whatever he does. <laughs> so That's she, awesome. she cracks me up. She, um, I'll tell James like, James, you need to do this. You know, you're a big boy and Verity will always come up and she'll stand beside him. She'll go, I big boy too, mom. And I tell her, no, you're a big girl, Verity. <laughs> you're a big girl. And she just, all she knows is she wants to be like big brother. She wants to do what he does. She doesn't want to miss out on anything. (laughs) So sweet. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, it's, it's so wonderful to hear your story, Kate. And I'm just to wrap this up. I'd love to hear if you have any resources that you've um, just gleaned wisdom from as a mom or, um, you know, in the pregnancy phase or in the new mom phase or um, kind of where your kids are currently developmentally? Is there any like books or blogs or resources that you've really enjoyed? Yeah. So of course this goes without saying, but I'll say it anyways, you know, scripture has a ton of wisdom and advice. The number one. Yes. (laughs) How we dysfunction day to day. And um, even as a mother, But then, of course, beyond that, as far as things that have personally helped me, um, I think most of the places that I'm going to mention probably have, like, paid programs, but I've personally never paid for anything. So I think a lot of these websites have free resources that are very beneficial. So um, as far as um, breastfeeding goes, um, I learned a lot from the La Leche League, and I'm not 100% sure of what uh, their website is, but they just have so much good tips, advice, and then, of course, always be discerning. I I don't think I there's, like, a single website that I follow completely that I'm, like, yes to everything. I always kind of pick and choose what works for us. Um, and then I did take, I will say, like, um, another doctor that I would read from a lot just as far as babies go Um, Dr. Sears helped me out a lot with, um, just some kind of gentle parenting techniques. There's some stuff that he said that I don't agree with, but there's some things that I really liked and I use. Um, and then another thing that is really, really huge is, um, Happiest Baby on the Block. They have a website. I think that might be the name of the website, Happiest Baby on the Block. Um, they're tips on soothing newborns are just to me they're unmatched like it's all about kind of like creating that womb environment 
Um, because, you know, think about it, that newborn, what they've just been through is very traumatic. They were taken out of a very comfortable, warm place. <laughs> and now they're in like this big, scary world. And so um, all of like their swaddling techniques or soothing techniques were really huge for us. And I think really got us through some times that would have been really, really challenging otherwise. Because whenever you have a newborn that's crying and is uncomfortable, um, they, they have methods that will literally like help them calm down. They have one called the five S's. And if I remember correctly, it's like a swaddle, um, shush, sway, um, I'm trying to remember what the other S's are. Oh, um, shh, like you're supposed to make like the shh sound. So like if you have a noisemaker that does that. And then I can't remember what the last S is. I need to remember that before I have another baby. <laughs> but that was, I'm not even kidding. Like that's kind of like my main advice for everybody is like follow yeah. the five S's with newborns. It Like there were times where like James or Verity were just crying uncontrollably and that just immediately calmed them down. Um. And then I'm trying to think, I think, oh, I have also on Instagram, I follow uh, taking care of babies and she has awesome sleep advice. So yeah, she's incredible. Yeah, for sure. And she's so sweet. I love like the way she like phrases stuff and she explains kind of how it works. So she seems like such a precious lady. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love that you mentioned Kate to kind of take everything with a grain of salt that you take in. Um, there's a lot of um, new age influence and um, just things that are really not of the Lord in the birth and parenting world. Nice. Um, so I think that is something that if you're not reading straight from scripture, like even if it's a Christian resource, um, just use wisdom and try mm-hmm. to always look like one layer deeper um, yes. before you really accept advice. So I think that's a Absolutely. really good thing to mention here. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm so grateful you're doing this podcast because I really don't think there's anything like it out there. Like, it's just, it's amazing. Oh, thank you. I'm super honored to be doing this. And it was such a joy to have you on today, Kate. I've, yes. I just know that people will be encouraged by this and just learn so much. So thank you for being here. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on. Like, I'm just honored that you would even have me on as a guest and I don't have a to say, but I can tell kind of my experience and what happened to me and maybe somebody else will relate to it and it can be beneficial to them. Yeah, we have, that's our whole deal here. So that's amazing. Well, thanks again for being on. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I truly hope that today's episode was an encouragement to you. I pray that you will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. Please subscribe, share, and leave a rating for this podcast. I could not do this without you. See you next time.